0: Hello and welcome to Cavalcade of America from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors.
1: The Cavalcade of America, presented by DuPont. The story of Daniel Boone. Adapted for radio from material suggested by the distinguished American author, Marquis James, starring John McIntyre in the role of Daniel Boone. DuPont Company, makers of better things for better living through chemistry, present the Cavalcade of America, dedicated to those men and women in every walk of life who have shaped the destiny of America in the past, and to the youth of today, who will shape the destiny of America in the future. Our story tonight is Daniel Boone. Our star is John McIntyre, whose voice you have heard on many of radio's leading programs. On The Cavalcade of America, he has notably portrayed the role of Andrew Jackson, presenting John McIntyre in the story of Daniel Boone. year 1819, an artist named Chester Harding made his way through the wilderness of Middle America to a place some 200 miles up the Missouri River from St. Louis. There, coming upon a small cabin in a clearing, he was to paint a portrait of the great American frontiersman, Daniel Boone.
0: Well, good morning, mister.
2: Good morning, ma'am. Could you tell me where I could find Colonel Daniel Boone?
0: Why, sure. Colonel Boone's my granddaddy. What would you be wanting of him, mister?
2: Well, ma'am, I'm an artist. Everybody back east has heard of Daniel Boone. When I heard he was out here in Missouri, I set off to find him. It's taken me over three months to get here. But if he let me paint his picture, it'll be worth it.
0: (laughs) Well, mister, it's a hard time you'll have of it if you hanker to paint his likeness. His head do wobble like to roll off on his shoulders. And he'll talk you into an early grave. But I'll have my young'uns lead you to him. Jimmy? Yes, ma'am? Becky? Want us, Ma? Come here. We'll be the stranger, Ma. Now, don't be questioning. Lead the stranger to your grandpap and be quick to get him back for there's chores to do. Yes, Ma. Just follow us, mister. All right. Grandpap lives over yonder hill. you need be a city fella, ain't you?
2: Well, how did you guess that?
0: You got store clothes on, that's how.
2: <laughs> so, uh, Colonel Boone's your grandfather, huh?
0: No, a great grandpap he is. Oh. But we don't hold with fancy titles, so we just call him grandpap. Oh, well, there'll be Grandpa over there.
2: What's he doing? Uh, is he ill?
0: Oh, no. He'd be hale as can be. He's roasting the venison. He always lays on his back whilst roasting the venison. Says it's easier on the joint. Oh, I see. Hey, Grandpa, pay some heed. Give a visitor.
2: Well, pleased to see you, sir. Uh, I hope you ain't aiming to settle in these parts. Uh, no, uh, uh, no. Uh, I guess I'm not the settling type, Colonel Boone. Uh, good. Neither am I. Uh, where are you from, Sandy? Boston. Took a lot of riding and fording rivers and tramping afoot to come out here to find you. Uh, never knew the country was so big. Well, it's still mighty crowded for me. A fellow like me's got to have elbow room. I don't feel easy if I can look out of my cabin door and see a chimney smoking anywhere. But uh, what do you want of me, Strangey? Well, Colonel Boone, I'm a painter. You don't need no painting done. Well, I've come to paint your picture. People back east have heard a lot about you, Colonel Boone. I had a hard time getting out here, and I, I want to bring them back a painting of just how you look. Uh, lightness? Me? Uh, that's it, yes. Uh, I'll be hanged. Then paint away, stranger. Paint away. All right. I, I'll uh, just set up my easel here, and you'll have to hold your head still, though, uh, so it'll be a good job. Uh, uh, Jimmy. Yes, Grandpa? Come on over here. Hang on to the back of my scalp so as my head don't move. None. All right,
0: Grandpa. Say, Grandpa, tell the stranger about the Indians.
2: Uh, am all right now, stranger? Fine, fine. Uh, well, them, them injuns, I tell you, uh, mighty nice parcel of friends to have. Too bad there ain't more of them around. But they had to go because the country just had to spread out, I guess. I seen it all happen. Yes, I did. Folks needed elbow room for certain. I had the wandering spirit myself. Back there in 75, we began to cross over the mountains into the west. King Tuck. Now, there was freedom out there. Room for a man to move about in. We wanted to get beyond the mountains and build homes where we'd have our say about <laughs> how
3: all right, men. Now be quiet and listen. We all started out here from Carolina, strung our pack horses and wagons along over the mountains. We blazed the trail to Cane Tug. We've been building this fort here, Boonesboro. The land we bought fair and square from the Cherokees. Now, the British say we have no right to settle on it.
4: Well, Indians were here before them. It was their land to sell, and we paid for it. It belongs to us now.
3: Well, just the same, it's going to be a struggle to hold it. The British will do all they can to drive us off. They won't if we're ready for them, if we run things right.
4: All right, that's it. What do we do, Judge Henderson?
3: Well, we've got to have a government here at Fort Boonesboro, the first west of the mountains. And we need to run it the best we know how.
2: Well, that's agreeable. What do we do first?
3: Well, for one thing, somebody's got to take charge of things.
2: Well, that aims the right way. Well,
3: Captain Boone showed us the way out uh, here. Oh, wait
2: a minute. I ain't fit for what you're thinking. All right,
3: all right. Captain Boone, we've followed you to Cane Tuck. You did a good job leading us here. I think you're the one to give us the help we need now.
2: Well, man... You all heard what the judge said about them British fixing to drive us out of King Tut. Well, we won't let them. We'll get the stockade built. Thirty horses and mules, and thirty guns we got. In this wilderness, a band of men don't need no more to defend what's theirs. We'll take all turns watching the fort as the sentries. Then, boys, we'll get down to living. For now, we've been alone out here. We need our families. Soon we'll get things fixed up. And I vote we go back and get him. And then we'll hold this settlement here at Boonesborough. Well, Becky, we'll cross the Holson River. we come through Moccasin Gap and down the clinch. It were pretty, weren't it? All the laurel and canebrake. Yes, Daniel. It were pretty, but it were wild and fearsome. Well, don't worry, Becky. It's been slow going in this wagon for sartin, but you and our daughter Jemima've borne it brave. I'm right proud of you. Wait. Oui. Ooh, ooh. Well, there it is, Becky. Down there. Down there in them valleys is the dark and bloody hunting ground, Kentucky.
0: What's that mean, Pa?
2: Among the meadows, daughter. That's what the Indians call it. There she is. Twenty million acres of her and all of it ours.
0: Yes. Yes, it's fair land, Daniel.
2: And the Indians said, brother, it's a good land, but you'll find it hard to hold.
0: Hard to hold? Be aiming to settle down for good at Boonesboro, Daniel?
2: Sure aims to, Becky. Wait till you see our fort. Becky, there ain't nothing going to stop us. We've blazed a trail out here, and we have a place to live where men aren't plagued with kings and their orders. It's a home for you and me in jemima, Becky, a home in God's wilderness.
4: Yes,
0: Dan'l
2: is it a hard thing I'm asking of you, Rebecca? Come out here in, to the wilderness,
0: Dan'l, I've seen your eyes
2: turn to the hills i've I've felt your yearning to be wandering. But Daniel, remember on the words in the Bible, the words of Ruth, entreat me not to leave thee, and to return
0: from following after thee. For whither thou goest,
2: I will go. Everything is so fine and happy at the fort now, Dan'l, And I think daughter Jemima's bursting joyful
4: to be wed. Well,
2: Flanders Calloway's a right good man, I Kind of thought our Jemima looked like a happy child. When set me to wondering if we should have given McSaint. Percy Young. She's
0: but 15, Dan'l, but I were just turned 17 when I wed you.
2: Rebecca. <laughs> well, who's the bride and groom? You two or us? Oh, and...
0: Flanders, you goose, you yeah? <laughs> I'm so happy for you both. Ma, you've been so kind. Oh, no, no. You all go on back to your desk. Will you do me the honor, Mrs. Calloway? delighted, Mr. Calloway. Well, what's happened to the music? It's a runner from up
2: the creek. Wonder what's up.
0: Hey! Hey, just a minute!
4: Folks, I got bad news. Ten men were scalped today over to Lickin' Creek. Ten? How many redskins was
2: there? Uh, I can't tell. But they burned homesteads all the way from here to the valley. We've got to turn out and fix them, boys. That's right. They're headed for Boonesboro right now. Uh, we got to hurry. Come on. The Redskins are camping tonight. They won't start for here till tomorrow. Twitty. All right, Captain. Now, listen. I'm telling you, keep the men inside this stockade. Won't do no good running all through the woods, leaving Boonesboro unguarded. We got to hold the fort. But you they're on the warpath. I'm a-going.
4: Where? Where are you going, Captain?
2: I'm going out of here tonight. I'm going to talk to the Injun Chief Blackfish. I'm going to see if he will listen to me instead of the British. It's been peaceful right here at Boonesboro up to now. I know Indians. They ain't men to attack for no reason. Someone's lying and putting them up to it to drive us out of King And I tell you, Twitty, remember this. We gotta fight now as never before for our rights.
0: Go on, Grandpa. Tell us about the Mm Indians now.
2: I'm aiming to have a look at that lightness of me. So I'm coming over to see it, stranger. Don't move, Colonel Boone. I'll turn the easel around for you. Well, do I look like that? Well, when it's done, you may look a little like it. Now, if you'll turn his head just a bit more to the right, Jimmy.
0: Uh-huh. This way, Grandpap.
2: Uh, a little more. Ah, uh-huh. uh, now hold it. Uh-huh.
0: Grandpap's been painted before by the Indians. He lived with them, didn't he,
2: Grandpa? Yep, that's right, Becky, but they never painted me like the strangers are doing. Maybe the stranger'd like for you to tell him about the
0: bullets. Yeah, that, huh? I
2: can tell you about that. Yeah, it was a trick, of course. One day, I took the bullets out of Blackfish's gun, when he weren't looking, of course, and dared him to shoot squire at me. He did, and I pretended to catch him.
5: <laughs>
2: he should have seen his face. But all this must have been much later, Colonel. After you left the wedding party. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost forget where I was. Yeah, I, I went to talk with Blackfish that night. And after I'd walked through the woods thinking things over, I decided I'd better be plain and speak right out what was bothering me. And I know the Indians would understand me better than they would the British.
5: How good? Well, how, Blackfish? The great Boone always welcome here. But why you come see red men? Because I like Indians, Blackfish. But I was
2: thinking there might be a sneaking white man or two here making your plan for you. Why you think white men lead war party on Boonesboro? I know they be blackfish. Red paint and a few feathers can't fool me. That and ours, Jim's Gurdy. <laughs> And a red coat has become nothing better than a blanket. All right, Boone. My name's Gertie. And every man, woman, and child in your fort will know it, too.
4: I'll handle him, Jim. You think you'll stop us, Captain? That's why
2: I'm here, if you want to know it. <laughs> you ain't got much time, Boone, if you aim to stop us. Reckon we ain't. But i uh, got time to tell Blackfish and the Shawnees you're a- trickin' them, Gertie.
4: Don't believe him, Blackfish.
2: What do you mean, trick, brother? I'm a meanin' the English are using the Indians, Blackfish, in a war against us free people. Won't do, Boone. You have no right
4: to settle here. The king intends the land on this side of the mountains for the Indians.
2: Oh, listen, Boone. He speak truth. Listen, Blackfish. That ain't the truth. They mean free for Canuck fur traders. But this land belonged to the Indians, and we bought it fire and square of them. Talkin' about it ain't gonna do any good, Boone. You're a goner, and your fort's lost. Ain't it gonna be as easy as you think, Gertie? How many rifles you got in this party? A hundred and twenty. Too bad. There's two hundred at the fort. You're lying, Boone. Listen, Blackfish. They want to burn Boonesborough and drive us, your friends, from our homes in winter. Don't listen to him, Blackfish. Remember, there's a reward for
5: Boone. Let's burn the fort and take him back to Detroit with us. Blackfish will not burn Boone's town in winter. We come back in spring. We take Boone, go see Colonel Hamilton at Detroit. I have spoken.
4: Ah, Blackfish. So, this is the famous Captain Daniel Boone.
2: understand you're the famous hair buyer, Colonel Hamilton.
4: (laughs) I'm paying more for rebels with their hair on than for scalps, Captain. Blackfish... Why didn't you burn down Boone's brother, I told you?
5: No. It winter, brother. Bad for women, children. Rot.
4: Hmm, perhaps it would be easier with Boone here in Detroit. There must be no mistake this next time. You may have more than earned your 20 pounds in that case.
5: You speak truth. Boone worth five men.
4: While well, I've got Boone here in Detroit, we'll attack the fort. Blackfish, I'll pay you well for Boone. 50 pounds sterling.
5: No. I know cell one cell, Boone. One hundred. Boone, fine hunter, brave man. I make him my son. Boone, wet hundred men. Looks like you lost, Colonel. Reckon you'll have to allow me to go along with Blackfeet.
4: Go ahead and find your home with the Shawnees, Boone, because you won't have a home at Boonesboro along. We're going to make an example of your settlement.
2: You can't keep us penned behind the mountains to doomsday, Colonel. Americans need elbow room. We aim to get it.
5: Boone, when we caught you last night, you trying to escape? Well, maybe I were, maybe I weren't, Blackfeet. I have won many times, Boone. You, one of our tribe, my son. Next time, Braves kill you. if you see me, Blackfeet. Boone, you know escape all the way to Boonesboro. Seven days' journey. You fine woodsman, but we catch you. Easy. You wait. We go Boonesboro soon. That's what I figured, Blackfish. From the drums. Hamilton, make us send war pipe to Mingos and Delawares. Too late for you, say, Fort. Well, too late today, anyway. I warn you last time, Boone. My own tomahawk kill you first. <laughs>
4: I'll take over the watch, Walker. All right, Twitty. I ain't seen a sign of nothing today. Nothing you say. Look, Stagging aside that tree, Redskin. All right, let me get a bead on it. Wait a minute. Something mighty strange about that Indian. You? you keep him covered. Yeah. Just a minute. He's holding up his hand.
2: Hold your fire,
4: Twitty. Daniel Boone, come home from the dead. Jemima, <gasps> Mrs. Calloway, everybody, come running. Daniel Boone, come home.
2: <laughs> Daniel Boone. Stop all your yelling, boy No from the stockade. <laughs>
4: All right, Pa, don't you worry. Here, Captain, drink
2: some of this if you can. Give my Where's Rebecca? No smoke in that cabin. Where is she?
0: Ma went back to Carolina, Pa. She thought you was dead. We all did.
4: You see, Captain, I scouted for you and found nothing but engine signs. We were no, certain... Never
2: mind now. Rebecca's safer in Carolina. Quick, 20, how many rifles have
4: we got? 50 riflemen at the port now, Captain. Don't you worry.
2: Don't worry. We ain't got time to worry. We're facing the dangest British attack you ever heard of. Now get busy, all you boys. Get to work on the stockade. We'll need new blockhouses. If we got time to build them, drive the stock inside the walls. I tell you they'll be here any minute. If we're ever going to hold King Chuck, we gotta to fight to hold it now. <clears throat> That's how it was, stranger. I got back to Boonesboro in time. We saved the fort. We fit them for ten days. And one night, they quit. Sneaked away after dark. And
0: they didn't come back, did they, Grandpa? No.
2: Next day, we dug 125 pounds of lead out of the stockade. It was the worst Indian and British attack Taintuck ever saw. But it was the last. Cain's was a dark and bloody ground, but we held it at Boonesboro. Uh, tell me, uh, Colonel Boone, did you ever see Blackfish again? No, I never did see Blackfish after that strategy. Count of how he was killed in the siege. Whatever... Uh... Whatever happened to all the land you staked out in Kentucky? Well, Stranger, I never bothered to find out. Too many people followed me in the cane No elbow room. So uh, I moved on two or three times. Now they're even following me here to Missouri. Well, in that case, Colonel, uh, maybe you'd better push on further west. Uh, that's just what I've been thinking, Stranger. But for a man, well, over 80... I ain't got too many moves left. A couple of seasons ago, I went out to the Yellowstone. and danged if I won't be there soon. I, you know, I'd sort of like to see what's hid behind them rocky mountains out there, too. Must be elbow room in California, yeah? California is a mighty long way off, Colonel. It'll be a whole generation before America reaches the Pacific, I'm afraid. <laughs> Don't you be thinking that, stranger. America weren't meant to be hemmed in by no Mississippi River. nor Rockies, neither. When I started down the wilderness road in 75, it was a mighty small country. Look at it now. It growed all over the place. I reckon most folks is like me. They're all looking for elbow room might as soon as we spread clear to the Pacific. Tell me, Colonel Boone, were you ever lost? Well, stranger, can't rightly say that I was lost, but once for three days, I was mighty bewildered.
1: When America moved west, Daniel Boone led America. Wherever he went, people seemed to follow. He was the frontiersman, and his fame was worldwide at his death in 1820. His legend is the common property of every American and has been immortalized in Lord Byron's poem, Don Juan, in these lines. Of the great names which in our faces stare, the General Boone, backwoodsman of Kentucky, was happiest among mortals anywhere. Daniel Boone typified the eternal pioneering spirit of Americans. And tonight, he takes his rightful place in the cavalcade of America. Thank you, John McIntyre. Ladies and gentlemen, we hope you've enjoyed our story tonight and that you will enjoy the story we bring you from the wonder world of chemistry. There was once a man named Sam Winslow who said he could make salt in a way that had never been discovered before and supply it to people more cheaply. A general court in Boston, impressed by Winslow's story, gave him the exclusive right to make salt by his method for ten years and prohibited anyone else from making salt the same way during that time. That was the first patent ever issued in America, two hundred and ninety-nine years ago in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. It hadn't anything to do with the United States patent system as we know it today, but the basic idea is the same. That idea is to encourage the genius of the inventor by giving him an opportunity to profit from his labor for a specified length of time. This month marks the 150th birthday of the United States patent system, for on April 10th, 1790, President George Washington signed the law that has helped so much to give better things for better living to millions of Americans. More than that, our patent system is one of the foundation stones of democratic government. It offers the same protection, the same opportunity, the same hope of reward to every individual. It's as democratic as an American institution. With his gift for a striking phrase, Abraham Lincoln said that the American patent system adds the fuel of interest to the fire of genius. And Honest Abe had good reason to know, for he was an inventor himself. While he was congressman from Illinois, he received a patent for a device to help boats through shallow water. The model of Lincoln's invention was whittled out of wood by his own hand. And you can see it on display at the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C. Among other many well-known people who invented things on the side was Mark Twain, the famous humorist, who took out three patents, one of them for a self-pasting scrapbook. But such examples are merely curiosities. And although the patent office in Washington is full of amusing stories and strange machines, its true importance is shown by such inventions as McCormick's Reaper, Morse's Telegraph, Mergenthaler's Linotype Machine, Bell's Telephone, the Wright Brothers Flying Machine, and Edison's Incandescent Lamp. Edison, during his lifetime, was awarded 1,101 patents. As new products have been invented, countless new jobs have been created. For example, the recent development of nylon by DuPont chemists after many years of research made necessary the construction of a large plant. And when the workmen finished building the plant, about 850 new jobs were filled in the little community of Seaford, Delaware. In this way, American inventions have played a big part in building America, as well as creating the American way of life which provides comforts and happiness for many instead of a few, which is the spirit of the DuPont pledge, better things for better living through chemistry. And now the cavalcade of America's historian, Dr. Frank Monahan of Yale
2: University. There is a time when every one of us is called upon to make a decision, a decision great or small, an act that will cut or repattern the threads of destiny. You can realize the momentous decision that faced Robert E. Lee on the verge of the tragic war between the states. Lee was a man of peace. He believed that if forbearance and wisdom had been practiced on both sides, there would have been no national tragedy in 1861. When he was offered the command of the Union Army, he declined because of his higher loyalty to his natives Virginia. Lee's military genius prolonged a bitter and hopeless struggle, but after Appomattox, he devoted himself to the great task of peaceful reconstruction. Next week, Cavalcade salutes the memory of Robert E. Lee, whose fame transcends geographical boundaries and whose generous spirit has been fused into the best of America today. Our next broadcast
1: of the Cavalcade of America will come to you from the stage of the mosque, the great showplace of Richmond, Virginia. There, in commemoration of the 75th anniversary of the surrender of the Confederacy at Appomattox, And in the home city of the South's most heroic and beloved figure, we will present the distinguished actor of stage and screen, Philip Merivale. The drama is an original radio portrayal of General Robert E. Lee. Our story is based on the Pulitzer Prize-winning biography, R.E. Lee, by the distinguished American author and editor, Douglas Southall Freeman. The orchestra and original musical effects on the cavalcade of America are under the direction of Don Voorhees. This is Basil Rysdale saying good night and best wishes from DuPont.